All right, normally on a Sunday morning, a pastor will preach the word to you. Uh, a couple of times a year, what we're working on doing is actually opening up this time when we're gathered all together as a family to hear from different members of the family in what they are giving themselves to and how the Spirit is meeting them in that work. So this morning we're going to hear from six different folks who are working hard in six different arenas in the life of the mission of our church. I just want you to listen, rejoice, see what it looks like when you give yourself to the work of the gospel, the way that the Spirit meets you there and then works through you. We've been thinking in this season on the proverb that says, the horses are made ready for battle, but the victory is with the Lord. And we want to be a church that says yes to both of those, whatever it means to make horses ready for battle in the life of this church, we're going to hustle and sweat and work and have courage to go for it. But any gospel advances in the hands of the Lord. So I'm hoping that you're feeling both of those this morning. All right, first, Tim is going to come and just talk to us about the life of their gospel community, which is the epicenter of discipleship and mission in the life of the church and the way the Lord is meeting them there. Great. Uh, so I'm part of the Bellevue Gospel Community Group, and uh, there's just kind of two big things that God has been doing in our group this year that we're excited to talk about. Uh, one of those is God has been making us really into a gospel-formed family, and, and what that means is, is we are a bunch of people who actually didn't know each other very well at all um, before we got together. We weren't a, a tight group of people, but really as we've seen the gospel take root in our group together, we're becoming more and more like family. Uh, what that looks like for us is uh, every other week we're spending some time in something called DNA. It's a way of spending time with the scriptures together in a group. And men are one week and women are the other week, so kind of alternating that way. And we've been going through First John over the last uh, seven months here or so. And God has really used that for us to come together, hear how there's various sin or needs in people's lives, the, the typical things that we're just all running through together in a given week. Uh, and then we're also getting the chance to sit under the word and hear uh, in community, what is God teaching us? You're able to hear what God is teaching someone else differently uh, than maybe what you have found on your own. And that's really powerful to bring together a group. But also it's been some fun things, things like having some meals together as a family, also uh, kind of serving one another as people have been ill or had, had uh, some serious points of loss. We've also brought meals to people. We've done a lot of child care. There's a lot of kids in our group, so a lot of swapping around helps everyone uh, have some free time. So all of those things have been really uh, meaningful for us to become a gospel-formed family. But the second thing that's really been uh, interesting and really impactful for me as well has been how the gospel community functioning together on sort of mission together, looking outside of ourselves, actually kind of deepens our faith and changes how we know and can learn about God. It's really easy for us to spend time around 1 John and kind of talk around what God is doing in the text of that uh, scripture and then kind of the four walls of this enclosed house. It sounds really safe and easy and, and not too difficult sometimes. Uh, but as we start to look toward other people, it's a lot more going on. So two things that have come from that. Uh, one is we've been learning to kind of move toward our friends and neighbors. That's probably been our main missional focus right now, of getting to know just who are your connections of other people in the group and getting to cross paths. So some of the way that's, ways that has happened uh, is with like a, a children's Halloween party, uh, getting to know some of the moms and some of the connections through that, uh, getting to know as well 
uh, some friends through birthday parties at times that have happened, uh, and also with a, a New Year's Day party, getting to know some friends and neighbors through that. And in a couple months, we'll be working with another gospel community to sort of have a Kentucky Derby party of sorts and get to know some other friends and neighbors around that. So it's uh, really helpful to get to know those connections and to tie it in. But one real quick story that's really been meaningful is uh, just early on in the year, we've been talking about uh, kind of who do we know? Who is in your like exact context of people that you pass every day who don't know Jesus? And we kind of wrote down on uh, something high tech called a three by five card. And we started to write down just who are the names? Who are these friends, neighbors, people that are actually in your, your walk of life that you know don't know Jesus and don't have a loving church home. And we started to just kind of pray for them. Uh, to be honest, kind of I would pray for them about weekly or so. And uh, we'd get a chance to kind of remember, okay, who are these people? I've, I've not met most of them. Just kind of praying for them by name. And uh, then after a few weeks, to be honest, I sort of would forget, miss some weeks in there. And then I'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, i got to pray for this list again. Come back to it, start praying for these people. thought, oh, okay, I asked everyone in this group to kind of do that. I, I probably should at least be praying through this list myself. Not really having a ton of faith of what God would be doing through just praying for some random names. But you can imagine my surprise when one Sunday morning I'm coming here to church and I'm, I'm standing around and I'm introduced to one of the people who are on that list by one of our families that are in this group. As soon as I heard their name, I went, oh, I know who this is. I've been praying. I never knew who, who this person was. But it was amazing to hear that. One, that brought in the joy to share with that family as they cared and loved for this neighbor that they're caring for. Look what God did through that. Uh, and I'm participating in that in prayer. But then secondly, I mean, it just really changes my perspective of what God's going to do. That seems like so far out there that God would still be caring and, and bringing people along through something as simple as prayer and moving toward people. Nothing high tech, no big three ring circus or anything to bring people in. And yet God has started the journey in this person's life. Long way to go. There's more to be written in the story. Uh, just like in our group, there's a lot more that we want to be doing, things that we need to get better at. But we're really excited that God has started that work through our group of really loving one another and then looking outward to love those with us. And that's really deepened our faith as we go through that as well. Kalos track. One of the things that we're longing to see in the life of our church is the women that Jesus has given us thriving, thriving in the gospel, thriving in their callings, just having spirits that are free and rested and joyful. One of the ways that we get toward that end is to invite women who are a part of our church to be equipped to make disciples with us. So this year we've got six, five or six women going through Kalos Track. Mandy is one of them. She's going to come catch you up on some of what the Lord's teaching her in that community this year. Hi. I'm Mandy. Um, I'm married to Trevor. We have Gemma and Tobin, um, six and four. Um, if you don't know us, come say hi. Um, so I've been, it's been wonderful. Um, I joined Kales because I was excited about um, being able to disciple women. Um, and I think at first I was thinking, let's go disciple the women. And um, I wasn't prepared for the work that God would do in here. And I think that that has been the biggest blessing and the biggest chunk of what Kalos has been for, for me. Um, I think one thing to note about Kalos is that it's it's interesting to see the it's good to see the generosity of the leaders and um, how they are giving up. I don't know about for you guys, but Sunday night is like prime time for relaxing and being with family and they're giving that up 
once a month um, to meet with us and just let us slowly, you know, flesh out and look at scripture and um, pray for us and have chocolate because when you meet with women, you need chocolate. Um, and so it's been, it's been really great. Um, I think one thing that has been a blessing is that um, this has been a really good time for me to be in Kalos. Um, I feel like right now there is a loudness directed at women um, just that can be all-consuming sort of in, in um, culture. And um, I think that we – that's sort of juxtaposed with what we're doing. Um, so we have, we have, um, we have, we're coming to scripture humbly, you know, and saying, Lord, you, we trust you, you are trustworthy and you are safe and good. And you have laid out things that you find precious and beautiful and good for women to embrace. God, what are those things and how can we embrace them well? And then how can we um, encourage other women to embrace them well for the good of our, our sel- ourselves, our families, our husbands, our co-workers, our children, and the community around us. And um, wow, that has just been good, really good. So um, yeah, that's Kalos, um, and it's been great. So class of 2017, Kalos. Uh, we also run um, something that we call Ox Track, which is similar to that. It's a track where uh, men in the life of our church who are saying, "I want to, I want to actually begin to step into this role of bearing responsibility for the life and the mission of the church." Did you write this one? This morning, put it right in my Bible, right? Uh-huh. It's called. Ox track, which just means we're going to beat you up for a year, and we're going to bring you to Jesus, and we're going to deal with your soul, and we're going to prepare you to love and, and literally give your life for the good of the, the people of Jesus. So we've got a team of men who are in that community this year. You'll hear from each of them over the next coming months as they share on a Sunday morning, but Michael's going to come and catch you up on some of his experience in there. to Heather over here. Um, just jumping up with what Mandy said, um, Oxtrack has been really working on me and Lord's been really working on me in one particular area, um, gentleness. Um, we've been talking about this in a couple different areas of church discipline and conflict. And um, one of the things the Lord's been showing me is that um, when I lead and have expectations of others and those aren't met, can generally have one of two responses. One would be like a passive, silent, I'll just go and do the work, but hold a grudge about it. Uh, or I can just be really short and like upset about it, um, but not give any help at all. And so what I've been really challenged with is to respond in a gospel way, in that middle way, um, of clearly saying what my expectations are, of being gentle if those aren't met, and coming alongside um, and this has been really evident to me um, just in my own relationship with Jesus, learning that um, I fail a lot, um, and he's continually gentle with me and continually brings me back to um, the 
cross and his grace allows me to take communion with everyone else here. And um, I've been really impacted by Galatians 6.1, which says, um, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself lest you too be tempted. Um, and I've just been learning um, how to do this, um, how to reject being passive and holding grudges and how to reject being angry and short, but instead to engage with gentleness and kindness and, and love. And um, I'm not there yet. I still have a lot of work to do as a leader, and as a husband, and um, but by God's grace and his love for me and the gospel and the work in Oxtrack, um, I am moving in that One of the things that we say all the time, and especially in any of our tracks where we're equipping you to help us to live on mission or make disciples, is you cannot give away what you don't have. And so you need to experience the grace of God for yourself that you may be able to give that away. Another way that we say that is what the Lord does for you or in you, he intends to do through you. So I hope that you heard clearly from Mandy and from Michael that in giving themselves to a year of being equipped, the Lord is doing a lot in them that he might then bless you and those he's giving to us through you. Um, so I thank him for his grace in just always doing that. The Bible says it like this, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. So cool to see you guys experience. Another thing that we are committed to as a church, it's a big part of our story, is not growing the biggest, baddest church that we can for ourselves, but to give away what the Lord gives to us. So the original church that we planted years ago has now become seven different churches. Two of them are about to launch public services this fall, one in the city of Waltham. So Clint, who is leading that mission, is going to come catch us up on what's going down in Waltham. Hello family, how's everyone? Good, all right. You're hitting that uh, cane sugar crash right now. Uh, that's okay, that's to be expected. Um, well, my family and I moved to Waltham about seven months ago and we've been on the ground um, loving and, uh, and serving that community. Uh, many of you have uh, come out to our house and shared a meal with us and come to kind of see what's going on out there. And so we're grateful uh, for that. I don't know many of you have been praying for us. And um, it's it's one of my joys to be here week in, week out, and to, uh, for, for, for you to come and ask how things are going. So uh, what I want to do this morning is just share a couple of stories of, of some of the lives that we're, uh, uh, we're, we're intersecting with there in Waltham. Uh, and tell you about the next couple of months. So the first name I want to introduce you to is uh, a guy named Frank. And so Frank is a longtime townie. Uh, he's lived in Waltham his entire life. And um, through uh, a couple of mutual friends, he and I uh, met each other and started meeting. Uh, we meet every Monday morning for breakfast at Joseph's Twos, if you've ever been over there on Bacon Street. Angel knows what I'm talking about. And uh, great breakfast. And... Um, Man, he, he said he'd been praying for someone um, to come to Waltham to disciple him. Um, that uh, He'd been a Christian for 26 years and never really had anyone um, just pouring into his life. And, uh, and he looked me straight in the face and said, I think you're an answer um, to that prayer. And so 
Monday morning, tomorrow at 9 a.m., we'll be there uh, at Joseph's going through uh, the Word together. And it's been amazing just to see, um, with uh, just a little bit of intentionality, um, this man's walk and his faith in Christ start to grow um, as he's being formed and shaped in the Word. And what's awesome is um, he's an answer to prayer for me because I've been praying for a few years now that the Lord would give uh, give me a relationship with someone, a longtime uh, townie who's lived there his whole life, who can introduce me to uh, to his friends and to his family and to, uh, to his networks, because our hope is to be uh, a church in Waltham for the people of Waltham. And um, I knew what was pivotal in that is that the Lord actually bring us people who uh, know the town, who know the streets, who know the people, um, so that we could interact and connect with people there. And so um, that's Frank. He's been a great friend to me. Um, it's been a joy to get to uh, walk with him through the scriptures. The second name I want to introduce you to is a woman named Lisa. Um, she's also a longtime uh, townie. I met her through Frank, and um, and Lisa's going through a real struggle right now. She actually has um, stage four um, terminal cancer, and so she's literally staring death in the face right now. Um, we all will eventually uh, do that. She just has a shorter window um, into that, and so she's doing all the things that you would. Uh, think to do in that time, kind of making your, 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 your plans, kind of getting your household in order, um, saying goodbyes. And she had been praying um, that God would, would, would lead her to a pastor uh, to help lead her funeral because she really didn't know anybody or anyone um, to do that. But there was something in her that said, I, I think I need a pastor to preside over this funeral. And so Frank said, hey, I know a pastor. Uh, and so I met Lisa. And it's been amazing to get to introduce her to Jesus for the very first time in her life. I've got to sit across the table with her, opening up the scriptures. We, the, one of the first moments was of going through um, the, the, the story with the father with the two sons in Luke 15, where we had the prodigal son who runs away. And we were walking through um, that parable. And if you've read it, you know it gets to the end, right? And there's kind of this, this cliffhanger with the older son, right? He's He's mad that the father has thrown this party for the younger son, and he's out there kind of sulking, and the father comes out and says, hey, all that I have is yours. Come come into this party, and let's celebrate that your brother has been found. And the story just kind of ends right there. And she's like flipping the Bible going, what, where's the end? How does it end? And I was like, it, that, that's how it ends. It, it, it's meant for you to wonder, like, does he go into the party? And then she looked at me, and she said, I am the older brother. She was like, I don't know if I can go in the party, if I'm being honest with you. It's just amazing to see her come to grips with the scriptures in a real and intimate way. Um, so I'd love if you'd be praying with me for Lisa, that she would go in um, to the party uh, in these final days um, of her life. Um, those are just two of the stories. There's lots more I could keep sharing with people that we're coming to, to contact with. Um, it's been awesome to see God just in seven months gather a team around us. There was just a handful of us that kind of in September of, of last year said, okay, we are, we're this core team, this small nucleus, this little family of what will be a church plant. And we've seen um, those six people grow to about 20 people right now um, that are gathering weekly uh, or gathering with us uh, for gospel community as we're being shaped into a gospel formed family. Um, over the next several months, you'll start to see less of us here um, on Sundays as we start our core team meetings. We'll start meeting on Sunday mornings as a team to say, okay, what does it really look like for us to, to give our lives to 
uh, to seeing Jesus um, glorified here in Waltham. Um, we'll start our first preview service will be in June. We'll have another in July and then one in August. And then our public launch will be um, on September 17th where we'll start to meet weekly um, as a church family. So you can be praying for us. We've got a lot of logistics to cover uh, in the next uh, 120 days as we uh, ramp up to that. Um, you can also be praying for a space. Um, right now we uh, are homeless, so uh, we're looking for a place to meet. We've got some connections with the Boys and Girls Club um, of Waltham. A good relationship has started there, uh, but we're kind of waiting on the, the final yes. So those are some ways um, that you could be praying with us to see this new church plant get off the ground. So thank you. Man, that's exciting. All right. Woo. One of the things that Jesus' church begins to have a self-understanding of is that we are not uh, simply a commune of people who come together to escape from the bad world that is out there, but rather we are a missional family that comes together to be built up in the grace of Jesus, that we might be sent out into the world to just be a sweet fragrance of his love and his truth. Any way that we can do that, we are in on doing that. And so over these years, we've been finding new ways to move toward others in gospel love. The well is one of those things. Patty's going to come and catch us up on that. So I will give you a quick description. It's sort of nebulous. You're probably like, what is the well? So we um, are a gathering that's sort of happening a couple times a year. We started in January. And we had one this past Friday, and then we'll have one in May. And it's, it's a time for women to come together for the main purpose of exalting the name of Jesus in worship, in prayer, um, and just being together in the presence of the Lord. We can give you some backstory as to how this gathering started. Um, I am just a mouthpiece of a bigger team. I'm just sort of a representation. But there is a team of women that are working with me, specifically Andy Patronell and I are kind of shouldering the responsibilities of leading this ahead. And Andy participated in the Kalos track, with Manny mentioned before. And last year, we spent some time talking about Jesus' encounter with the women of the well. That story in that time in Kalos touched a real impact on her, um, on me, um, began a conversation about sort of the model, if you see the pillar of what happens when, when a woman encounters Jesus and she's taken from death to life. She's taken from shame and brokenness to freedom. Um, and that story of seeing this woman and seeing us as women move from that place of shame to the place of freedom and then having a testimony. Um, so when that happens and Jesus meets us in that place, we have a testimony. We have something to share. Um, so those that pillar really created, that word really convicted us. It really moved us. It really inspired us to say, what would that look like if we gather some women together on a regular basis for them to encounter Jesus. And it's just a different way. Gospel communities, church, all of those ways are wonderful ways for that to happen. But this is just a different expression um, of how to create an environment for women to come together. So prayer, a lot of prayer, and a lot of response, and a lot of obedience to what God is doing. We moved in and started really kind of making plans in September. And then I've seen the team just beautifully come together. So I can say all that process, we see a couple things the Spirit is doing. When we are in the word, he speaks to us. He takes his word, it is relevant, and he moves us to a place where we have a question. Are we going to obey kind of the promptings of the spirit and move ahead in that, or are we not? 
Um, so that is just another pillar of what we all believe, but this has been a, a wonderful expression of it coming to life for us, of seeing the word come alive. And um, the second piece that's been so beautiful to watch is the team just naturally gathered together. Women's in different aspects of giftings have come together in unity. In one of our first meetings, we got together, and the first thing we did was confess sin and <laughs> believe the gospel together. There's no way we can lead or do anything without first believing the gospel and being broken ourselves. And so that's been a, just a grace to me to be able to sit with these women and join in that. Um, and then to know that we're leading, not from a place of pride or arrogance, but just a place of just brokenness. And that when we are dependent on the Lord, he, sh he shows up. He shows up to, for his glory to be known. So two, um, the, the third thing that's been so great is we've had two gatherings. The first gathering, we had about 80 women. And this past Friday, we had about 50, 60 women here worshiping Jesus. Um, now, that's a crazy thing in New England. On a cold, snowy night, to have that many people here exalting the name of Jesus, that's just evidence of the Spirit at work, that this is filling a need. It's a, it's a place where people, these women are coming and wanting to just sort of are hungry to hear truth. Um, and we are having and engaging our neighbors in a way that we haven't before. So there's many women that are coming that are not connected Seven Mile. There's some women that we do a play group on Tuesday mornings, showed up um, on Friday night. Um, there's women who we've been having conversations with about the Lord and seeing what's happening. And this has been a place to invite them. And one of our women even went out that evening and had continued conversation um, about what God is doing with women who don't yet know Jesus. Um, so this is just the beginning. We don't know what's ahead, but we do know that spending time in the Word, obeying it, and being humble as we walk um, in the light in what God is calling us to, we're trusting that this is just another opportunity and vehicle for God to make his glory known um, among us and among our women. And we know when we sort of pour into our women, everything changes. They, their families, their neighborhoods, their workplace, when they are equipped and free um, to love others, um, that it's, it's limitless what God can do, do through us. So we're excited for what's ahead. What in the world would happen if we were known to be a place where if you were a woman and you connected with us, you would be deeply loved and you would be led to Jesus and all of the freedom and the joy and the peace that is there. Man, let's go for that. All right, last one, diaconal ministry. That's a fancy English word from a Greek word that means servant or to serve. Uh, a church is a family, and there's a sense in which all of us are throwing our shoulders behind the plow to see the gospel take root and the mission advance. Uh, there's also, in Jesus' intention for us, leaders who will run before the family and lead them forward. Some of those will be pastors in the life of the church whose primary ministry is word and prayer and governance and discipleship. For some of us, it will not be pastoral ministry, but it will be diaconal ministry coming alongside the shepherds in the life of the church so that they can pick up the slack on all the other things that need to happen around those pastoral ministries so the church can be healthy and can thrive. So we've seen that happening beautifully over these years. Um, today, we're going to be hearing from Nick Sutera, also installing him as a diaconal leader, a deacon in the life of our church. 
Nick is one of the few of us who was at the very first services of Seven Mile Road back in the back in the way back in the day machine. And at that point, he was maybe 16, 17 years old. So it is astounding to see the faithfulness of the father in the life of a young man, in the life of his bride, now in the life of their son. So we should just be rejoicing in that. And then also saying, yes, this is exciting for us to be receiving another diaconal leader in the life of the church. So Nick's going to come say, hey, and then we'll commission him to go. Hey again. So, uh, Matt said and Tutera, um, my wife Christine, and our little guy uh, Emmett in the back there. Um, so, just kind of getting uh, into the uh, official diaconal ministry. Um, like Matt said, kind of been involved uh, in a bunch of different capacities for a lot of years. Um, but one of the first you know, primary things that we've been working on um, with uh, Josh worship huddle to kind of plan out uh, services for the band uh, about a month in advance. So typically we'll meet up in the back uh, after every service, um, open to anybody, so if anybody's, anybody's interested. Um, we'll work with the pastor team to um, get the big idea for the service that we're planning that day. Uh, the text, we'll read, pray through that, and then uh, go with the logistics of uh, planning out the songs and figuring out anything that we need for that. Um, I'm kind of a nuts and bolts kind of guy, uh, an engineer, so that kind of makes sense. Um, so, and that's important. That's a, that's a, that's a big part of diaconal ministry, but what that tends to do to me is, uh, I'll miss out on the bigger picture often. Um, something that I kind of always struggle with. So, um, the, Going back to the worship hub, why I bring that up, uh, that's been a huge blessing um, for a number of reasons. Um, first off, working with Josh, he is a big picture guy. So uh, if you guys, anybody knows Josh, he totally is. So that's been a huge blessing to me to get to lead alongside someone who is all about that and really kind of helping me through that. And also with the worship huddle specifically, um, it may seem like very nuts and bolts. We're just planning out a service, uh, and all that, but it, but it, it forces me to um, take a look at God's bigger picture for what He's doing in His church, and specifically our church here. Um, and then allows me to kind of use my strengths to work through those uh, logistics. So it's a it's been a, an unbelievable grace uh, in my in my life to be able to just do that kind of thing, just to start out there, um, to set the frame of you know, refocusing me on the, you know, God's bigger picture. So um, it's, uh, it's been great to, great to see. Like I said, anybody who uh, is interested can, can join in on, uh, on the worship huddle uh, right after the service. Um, so yeah, I just want to thank God that uh, he's been using that uh, first of all, for giving me the opportunity to serve his church, but then also using that service to work on my heart. Um, so, yeah. Christine, will you come up with that little guy? And Tim, will you come up so we can just commission it to this work together? 
you've already seen Nick working hard to serve you in a million ways. As a capital D deacon now in the life of the church, we'd also want you to be responding to his authority in that office, which means if he needs help or if he needs a hand, your heart should be saying, yes, how can I help you? Because I see the weight of the office that you have taken on and I am being blessed by it. And I also want to be the most help I can possibly be as you give yourself to helping the pastors to do the ministry that they're called to well. So why don't you stand with us for a second? We like to lay hands on leaders and commission them to the work together in prayer, asking for the Spirit to be gracious. Well, I pray first for this marriage and this family. And I pray that in good and bad and in easy and in really hard, that your reality and your goodness as a father and your power as the sovereign God over all things would be tangibly known by Nick and Christine and Emmett, that they would be the brightest light Main Street Reading has ever seen before in their disposition, in their confidence, in their humility in their love and their faith. I pray out of the overflow of their health that Nick's ministry here would be strong, that the effects would be tangible as we would be helped to do the work of the gospel better because he's given himself to the nuts and the bolts and the details. So I pray that we would love them really, really well and that we would receive from them with humble hearts and that through his example, many more deacons and deaconesses will be raised up to serve the life of our church. Thank you for the way that you are so gracious to us in who you send and who you call and who you equip. And so we receive this too as a church family with great hearts of great grace. Amen. Awesome. All right. You can be seated one more time. I know that on most Sundays, it's one person talking at you as a mouthpiece of the living God so that your soul might be stirred and strengthened, and that's a beautiful thing. In a morning like today, I just want you to see that there's so much else going on in the life of our church that is not captured in a given Sunday morning, and I badly want you to give yourself to it. Now, in all different seasons and all different giftings and personalities, that's going to look all different ways. But these are not rock star superheroes who are up here today. They're just people like you and like me who have said, like me and like you, who have said, I'm going to love God with all of my heart, with all that I've got. I'm going to love the people that Jesus loves. And I'm going to get excited about the mission that God is on, that even a small church like ours, can have immense impact generationally and broadly. And so be encouraged this morning at the work of the Spirit and be asking the Father in this season, how can I be giving myself fully to the life and to the mission of our church? All right, let's pray for that just before we stand and sing. Father, we're surrounding all things in prayer, all things. How could we not? I pray that you would help us to believe the gospel, to give ourselves to community, to get excited about your mission. Jesus, you said, if anyone will not deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, he will have no part of the kingdom of my Father. We take those words seriously. And we want to give ourselves and give up of ourselves so that your gospel may speed forward 
but we also know that that's not an invitation to a gloomy, awful life. The life is found when we take up our cross and follow the one who bore the cross before us. And that in our dying we live. And that unless a seed is buried in the ground, there's no tree. So I pray most of all that you would raise up a church that denies themselves, that puts others ahead of themselves, that trusts you for big and beautiful things, and then watches as you show up in grace, in power, in love. I pray that that spirit would be stirring here and we would marvel to see it.